2: Hello everyone and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange to or Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary-Kate Cabot, Ashley Bastock, Doug Maurice, Irie Harris. We are foregoing a game preview pod here today because it's Brown Saints and it's Christmas weekend. So I thought maybe we'd, we'd go a little bit of a different route like we did a few weeks ago and do more of a, a roundtable approach to our Friday uh, holiday weekend pod here. So I went to our Football Insider subscribers and I said, uh, I said, send me some true and false questions, send me some fill-in-the-blank questions, and let's see what we get. And so we got some Christmas questions we'll get to later. We will still make game picks. So that that is coming up at the end of the podcast. So let's get to it. Um, The first question I have here is... Tom and Stowe, you know I'm gonna start with a guy from Stowe. He sent in two, and I think they're interesting questions. The Browns biggest need in the off season is blank. So yes, we're already talking off season, so you gotta pick one. The Browns' biggest need in the off season is blank. Mary Kay, why don't you go first?
3: Yeah. You know what? I'm going to say receiver and it doesn't even, um, you know, it it just doesn't take me a long time to come up with that. I know there are probably other glaring needs on this football team, but I think when you have a Deshaun Watson, you have to supply him with plenty of Pro Bowl caliber weapons, like really good players. And I think that uh, he needs at least one more really amazing receiver. When you look at uh what Joe Burrow has, there's a reason he's able to do a lot of the things that he does and it's the uh, supporting cast that he has. So I would go out and I would, I would find uh, that, that player that, you know, bona fide number two, or just add, I mean, they're going to be in three wides a lot anyways. So it doesn't even have to be one, two or three necessarily. I would go receiver.
2: Who else says receiver? Cause I think that's a need, but if I had to only pick one, that's not the one I would pick. A- anybody else say receiver though, for this one?
0: I have nope. a different one, but okay. receiver would probably be my number, like, two. Like, it's high up there, right? But I, I thought of another position first, like you. So so what's yours, Ashley? I was thinking defensive tackle because you've tried for two years to kind of piecemeal the front of that defense together. <laughs> and uh, it hasn't really worked. It's clearly, I think, where they're the most vulnerable um, is up front on that defense. I think they need more help. Guys haven't developed... The way that we kind of thought they would, like your Jordan Elliott's, your Tommy Togi eyes, like those type of guys just haven't come along as fast. Now, Jordan Elliott made a great play last week on special teams, but I do think they need to beef up the heart of that defense. And, of course, I think there's another position you could throw in there uh, as well that has a ton of injuries right now. But defensive tackle was the first one I thought of.
2: Again, that's another one that would be on my list, but it's still not my number one. no. So we have wide receiver. We have defensive tackle, both who would be on my list, but Doug still not number one on my list. Are you going to, are you going to throw out my number one is defensive coordinator or head coach, a position
4: that we're talking about? I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> partially kidding. Um, it is hard with this team because sometimes, right. I mean, it's all like the, the talent issue that we talk about. So like, I don't know. It seems like they have good guys there. They have good guys there. I'm very curious, Dan, where you're going to end up here, because I do think I would agree with Ashley on defensive tackle. And I think there's a linebacker issue, but like a healthy linebacker crew might solve itself. So I don't know if you need a bunch of additions there. So I think I would answer defensive tackle. And, and you are intriguing me, Dan, with where you're going to wind up.
2: I'm going to make you wait a little longer. read Let's see if you hit the jackpot here on on what I'm thinking.
1: I was gonna go with on the defensive side. I was going to say another healthier, consistent edge rusher that that can do damage along with Miles Garrett on the other side. Uh, I, I think that we've. I mean, regarding you know Clowney, who I, I believe is quite or out again for for Saturday's game versus the Saints at his best when healthy. He can do damage, he can create chaos. But I, I think it, getting another one another edge rusher in the league, somebody that is someone to to, to decline it within creating chaos but is actually healthier and that can be dependable on because then there's more snaps and more chaos to bring about would be beneficial. I, I really hit it.
2: I, I hit it? Yes. Oh my God. That's that's, that's what I was thinking.
1: I, I used think to all four look- times like this
2: I think all of the <laughs> all of those answers are right. I think like you could say this is the Browns biggest need in the offseason and it's wide receiver and it's defensive tackle and it's you know Doug you were making the, the linebacker case a little bit there um before you went with tackle. I have been wanting this team to add like just a monster long-term answer at edge rusher for a little while. and I think we saw last year what that can look like when Jadavion Clowney was healthy and really engaged and had a really great year. And I feel like maybe you've kind of maxed out your Jadavion Clowney experience here. I've, I think edge rusher is still a really important need. And, and maybe it's more of like, I just don't want him to forget about it. So, so Doug, now that you've heard that, am I wrong? Is I re wrong? Actually, if, if it's wrong, say I re wrong. Don't say I'm wrong. <laughs>
4: No, I, I and I can imagine us. I feel like we've had these debates before when they've had a first round pick. Like, should they go edge rusher? Should they go receiver? We know they don't have a first round pick, but they're going to have a second round pick that's going to be decently high. And I feel like we're going to have an offseason dis- discussion around this too. Like, oh, if a guy falls into the mid forties, right? Who who? Where do you get the most value? I'm just trying to look through Dan at some of the edge rushers, like Boy Mafe, who was a guy I liked coming out of Minnesota. I don't know how he's played this year. He was a second-round pick last year at edge. Drake Jackson out of USC was a second-round pick at edge. I I think I agree with that. It's important enough of a position, and maybe you go free agent. We've, we always are on alert, right, for free agent edge guys, and and we've often talked about there's that sort of second tier of, of edge rusher guys that I think you can find some worthwhile value um, I, I think you're probably right. But are you thinking more, Dan, like, let, you're saying, like, let's get a young guy. Let's let Miles, like, tutor a young guy on the way up and pair him that way rather than um, go spend a bunch of money on a veteran guy.
2: I, I, I would just like a long-term answer there. So, yeah, if it's a young guy that, that kind of you pair with Miles and he's cheap for a little while, um, I, I'd be down with that. Uh, if it's a veteran guy, you know, a few years ago, what, what Trey Hendrickson ended up getting, I don't think you can pay that. But, you know, that was a guy I liked a few years ago. If you can find, like, the sort of that undervalued free agent who maybe hasn't been a full-timer and you can bring him in and he's sort of your guy, I'd be down for that. Um, so so that's what I'm thinking. But Mary Kay, I mean, I, I don't think I've heard a wrong answer to this I don't question think so. among, yeah. the, among the five of us.
3: No, I don't think so either. I really don't think so. You could make a strong case – for any one of these, you really could absolutely 100%. I mean, it seems like the sort of obvious answer is defensive tackle because of what's going on this year with the, uh, you know, with the run defense. But who knows? Maybe if they do get those linebackers back healthy, uh, you know, then that changes up the game there a little bit. And if those guys uh, playing defensive tackle just kind of continue to grow and mature and develop, and I'm talking about Jordan Elliott and on Winfrey, who's kind of coming on a little bit stronger, Uh, you know, maybe they can get the job done better than they did. I actually would re-sign Jadavian Clowney. He wants to play with Deshaun Watson. Um, You know, I think he'll be motivated to do that. It does sort of almost have a maybe this has run its course kind of a feel or vibe to it, but I wouldn't let that be. I would – I think he's tremendous when he plays. He's still so good when he plays. And I think whatever you can get out of him – Is going to be so much better than what you can get out of anybody else that you're going to find to play that position for you. So I would give him what he needs and and bring him back for a year and be kind of you know sort of set on that side of the ball. And I still would go with uh, you know another real blue chip premier receiver.
2: Okay, we're going to have a
3: Dan. Can I interrupt you for one second,
4: real quick? Alex Wright was the seventy. Eighth pick in the draft last year. He was the 10th edge guy off the board. Do you think he has a chance to be what you're looking
2: for here? Okay, so I'm going to answer that question by getting to our next question. All right, because I think it goes hand in hand. So this is, again, from our buddy Tom and Stowe. The biggest mistake the Browns could make in the offseason is blank. And the reason I'm bringing that up is I think one of the biggest mistakes they can make in the offseason is just blindly counting on some of these young players, especially a guy like an Alex Wright. And I'm not like out on any of these guys, like especially the guys they just drafted, like they deserve time. But counting on these young players to step into bigger roles that they might not be ready for. Because I think we saw that on numerous occasions this year and it hasn't quite worked. And so I would like to see Alex Wright continue to develop but I don't know how comfortable I feel with Alex Wright being like the guy, the number two, like the number two edge rusher. That makes me a little
3: uncomfortable. That's a good question. I really like this question. There, you know, it really ha- it makes you think. And I don't have my answer yet. I need to think about this for another minute. It's a really, really cool, thought-provoking question.
4: So just the the idea of this, the idea of... Deshaun Watson is ready to roll from opening day. Cooper, DPJ, David Njoku, Chubb, this offensive line, you get Nick Harris back healthy. You know, the linebackers get healthy. You upgrade a little bit of defensive tackle. You still got Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, John Johnson third, Grant Delpit, Greg Newsom, Martin Emerson has come along. Like, is the idea of basically running it back Except Deshaun Watson plays 17 games instead of six. Is that nuts? Like, because I think the question Dan is like, well, what would the mistake be? Like, part of me is like, well, you've got to change something. But a year ago, like we were lining up, well, all right. Well, the quarterback and the kicker, right? And all. There's a part of me, even though I haven't liked almost, any, I haven't liked a single part of this year. Run it back. <laughs> it sounds insane to me, but also doesn't completely sound crazy to me.
2: I think that's I think that's fair, Ashley. I mean, unless I suppose there's a world where they're like, you know, John Johnson just didn't give us what we wanted, and we're gonna move on. Like I suppose there's a world where there's some surprise cuts or some surprise something surprises us, but that's not really the way this organization has worked in in the three years since Andrew Barry's yeah. taken over.
0: Yeah, it's like we normally know and and we know what they tend towards. And, you know, like one of the things we've always talked about is this organization doesn't part with their draft picks like they did it for the first time this year when they got rid of the way Richard LeCount. He was the first and only draft pick that Andrew Berry has said bye bye to since since he took over. Um, And I do wonder, like, Doug, I was kind of, you know, again, this is a good question. And I was kind of thinking while you were talking, it's like on a micro scale for me, I think the mistake would be to not like to, to basically do that and not seriously question why now two years in a row, your defense has played so poorly in the first part of the season, because like something is clearly at, at play there with that. It's we expected them to come back and carry this team while Deshaun Watson was out. And they really didn't do that. They struggled a lot. I do think injuries had something to play with that, but you just can't, I think, afford to have that happen in a third year. And I do think some of that is, hey, you have to be beef up the front of this defense and, and figure out a way to do that. And I know your analytics have been telling you one thing, but hey, it hasn't worked the last two years. So, what are we going to do? So, I do think on the defensive side of the ball, to me, like just standing totally pat, like like would be a mistake. They have to do some serious, I guess, like self evaluation with that. I read, you have an answer
2: to this question. The biggest mistake the Browns could make in the off season is blank.
1: The biggest, the biggest mistake. Oh man. Well, this is a good question. Multiple answers could be done. I would say, well, I'll give this answer. I'll give you this answer. This is actually going to kind of piggyback off of what Ashley was saying. The biggest mistake that the Browns could do is not evaluating their culture. I think one one of the big things regarding this team this season, that when we just kind of banged our heads against the thing of what's happening, like Doug said, they have guys that, you know, they have talent. Why are they not doing, you know, X, Y, and Z? And then when you sit down and really think about it, there's issues that are really deeper regarding the ownership, regarding management, regarding just the communication between players and coaches. I mean, from, from that to, it being said a bit through players' answers in the post game, even when uh, you know talking about talking with him about the game versus Cincinnati, and multiple players said they felt adjustments could have been made, uh, and that wasn't seen before. And as we're kind of saying, yeah, our coach wasn't really doing what we thought you know we should have done. So I think the culture at hand really needs to be sound because it's one thing to bring a guy in, but that guy's not going to want to stay there that long if it's not you know, if it's, if there's any toxicity within the environment. So I, I would just say that being the biggest mistake.
2: I mean, it wasn't that long ago where we were talking about guys watching film on their own when, when that was like a storyline. So you know, it's it's things like that. Doug, I mean, is it
4: would it be the biggest mistake? Would be tricking your trying like tricking yourself into thinking that Joe Woods is fine, that like the defense played better in the second half of the year. But we had this is a very hot conversation in the middle of the year. The defense on on certain multiple levels has probably underachieved at least for portions of the last two years. And again, you guys know, I spend a lot of time covering Ohio state, Ohio state had a problem last year and their answer was go get the best defensive coordinator available and throw as much money at him as you had to until you got him. So there, is there a world where, They've, they just need to say, you spent this much on a quarterback, so go get the best defensive coordinator candidate out there, whether it's an unemployed person right now, whether it's a, a defensive position coach who's on the way up, and win the bidding war for that guy and give him the defense. Because if, you, if you're going to say, well,
1: they got better, we,
4: we, we've had too many defensive discussions the past couple of years, that trying that again, are you going to get 17 good games out of a Joe Woods defense and don't let the last – if the last four to six weeks are good, trick you into thinking you will?
3: You know, I think the the biggest mistake is basically um, not taking as much time as you possibly can to evaluate defense and special teams. Those two areas, you need to take a good, hard, unflinching look at those two units. Because if those two units had performed up to their capabilities, they would be contending for the playoffs right now. They would be legitimate playoff contenders. We know that Jacoby did his part. Those two units did not do their part all along the way, for the most part. I mean, the defense is starting to get better now. Um, but the special teams, they're just, I mean, it, you know, it, it's been one gaff after another. And now uh, there are, as, as Ashley just wrote about uh, Cade York, an excellent story that appeared on cleveland.com today, Um, There are serious issues with the with the kicker. There are serious issues with the uh, with the rookie kicker. So I think they need to take a look at those two units and really dig in there. Take a hard, hard look at it and make some tough decisions if you need to make them. And you're going to have to try to evaluate, Okay, defensively, is it because, you know, Anthony Walker and then three other linebackers left the lineup? For the whole entire season? Is it because we thought Jordan Elliott was going to be something great and he wasn't exactly what we thought and hoped he would be? Is it because we thought that we were going to have Perry on Winfrey contributing from the start and that just didn't happen and Denzel missed time and Greg missed time and Jadavian missed time? Uh, or is it because Joe Woods isn't, uh, isn't putting everybody on that defense in the best possible position to maximize their talents and skills. And if he's not doing that, can he do that? Sometimes I think Greg Newsom is better on the outside than in the slot. Sometimes I think that John Johnson three should look more like he did last week against the Ravens in every single game. Um, He really had a nice game last week. You know, what happened differently and how can they pull that out of him every single week? So I think those two units need some kind of scrutiny in the offseason. And in my mind, that would be the biggest mistake is to not take an unflinching look at those two spots.
2: I think there's like 10 answers to this question. (laughs) Sounds like a podcast series. Um, Maybe we'll talk about that in January. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are doing a Friday roundtable here for Christmas weekend. We will have game picks coming up a little bit later for this weekend's game between the Browns and the Saints. So let's have a little, some Deshaun Watson talk here. And this one comes from Tom in Danbury, Connecticut, who I know is also one of our big Hey Mary Kay contributors. Tom wants to know, Deshaun Watson will make blank, quote, wow, Deshaun Watson plays by the end of this season. So just one of those, like you're sitting there watching and it's like, oh, right. He's Deshaun Watson. And we haven't quite gotten to see that. I guess guess we kind of saw it on that one throw to Donovan Peoples-Jones in Cincinnati when he had the defender just hanging onto his ankle. But like that, like, oh my God, I can't believe he just did that play. How many of those can we expect over these next three games?
3: Hmm. It's a good question because this is a weather game coming up and I think it's going to be hard to make some of those razzle dazzle wild wow plays in this game. So I think his wings are going to be pretty clipped this game. Um, and it, it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if he does make one in this, in this game, it'll be all the more spectacular under the conditions. So the first number that came to my mind was two and it was going to be one in each of the final two games, sort of leaving out this game, because I think this game is going to be about survival, just get through the darn thing, uh, and then come back in each of the next two games and and blow everybody away with one Patrick Mahomes-like play in each game.
4: Do we? Can we get a ruling? What is the official ruling on how many there have been so far? Is it one so
2: far? I guess, and I feel like that one is like not – I don't know if that one even qualifies. Maybe I mean, I thought that run against Baltimore was a good play. I don't know if that was like a wow play. Um, I mean, there's there's been good plays. I don't know if there's been like a wow, like a wow play. Is that fair? Michael, Is that, am I missing one?
3: No, well, you're fine. The Michael Woods play like could have been a wow, obviously. Like that could have qualified if Michael would have been ready for it. So um, I think – Deshaun is ready to make those kind of plays and he's got to hope that his pass catchers are ready to help him out.
1: I maybe not fitting the category of a wow play, but when I saw it, it was against Cincinnati. I think it was might've been like a third down. It was sometime in the second half. And as he was, you know, one of the multiple times in the game trying to escape defensive pressure he was he was nearly sat down, was being brought down to his knees, but he somehow just just fling it out real quick, and then all of a sudden DBJ just kind of rang up in air, and I don't remember exactly the play or what time it was. I just remember seeing that, and well, if they had won, then I probably would remember it more. But that kind of fit like maybe a tier below of not exactly in the sense of a wow play, so I consider that one you know one to think about.
2: Yeah, so I think I think that's the one, right? Like, I, there's not. There's not another, like, wow, wow play. So are we going to, like you said, Mary Kay, it's going to be tough this week. Are we going to see one in Washington? Are we going to see one against Pittsburgh? Like, what what's the number? Here we go. Over, under. Deshaun Watson wow plays over the final three games. I'm going to say, let's see, there's three games. Let's just put it at two and a half. Over, under. I think, I think I'm think I going to take the under. I think it's, like, two. Mm-hmm. Um, that sound, that sounds right in my mind
3: yep that's where i'm going i'm going to stick with two i
4: think i'll take the over on that washington and pittsburgh both have pretty decent defenses right? And I Mm -hmm. almost think the better defense you play, the better chance you have at a wild play because you're going to be forced into make a wild play situations because maybe just like the efficient, here we go, you march down the field, here's a little screen, hand the ball to Nick Chubb, like maybe that won't be enough. Maybe Washington and Pittsburgh are too good for that. And so that sets up opportunities where Jonathan Allen or, you know, somebody's T.J. Watt, somebody's coming after you, which creates an opportunity for you to spin away or break a tackle or stiff arm somebody and then make a throw. So I'll go slightly over.
0: I was thinking too too. I mean, mainly I was thinking two also, I guess I should say, um, just because of what Mary Kay said. I mean, the weather this weekend, like we do not know what it's going to look like for him to play in this kind of weather like. He has never experienced this kind of weather truly as like a football player on a, you know, in a, in a large sample size for us to figure out what this might look like. And again, really the only time before this and bad weather we had him playing here, he didn't do so great in 2020. But I know, Dan, I think you said in that game, like there was still like one or two plays that he made that it's like, oh, OK, that's he's, he's a guy still. Right. He he had a play
2: almost yeah. like the DPJ play where Ronnie Harrison was like on his ankle and he threw the ball up. And I can't remember who the receiver was, um, but he timed the throw perfectly and the receiver was running like a crosser. And it, I mean, it was a great it, it was a great throw on a day when nobody was throwing the football at all. So, yeah, yeah he's he certainly has had
0: that
1: moment. Those moments. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I just, I just think overall, like, I'm not, I'm just not expecting a ton of those, like, to close out the season in these games. And he even talked about that this week, that, like, he understands with him, like, people want to see these highlights. And he even said, like, I think I can make plays, like, like Patrick Mahomes makes. He referenced that crazy no-look pass Mahomes had, um, last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was um and I just think like he is realistic about that that he's been away from the game for a long time so it might take a little bit for that to come and I think it's good that he's not putting too much pressure on himself it doesn't seem like to try to make those plays right now
3: the other hard part about this is is it's pretty subjective so if your standards are really high for a wild play you know what I mean and like I think that my standards for a wild play are, are pretty high like Everybody is going to have to look at that and basically say, wow. I mean, it's it's got to be that kind of a a no-look pass that is, was just amazing. You know, I think that's the level of play that we're talking about here.
4: Although I do think the standard of Cleveland quarterback wow play has been ground down over the past several decades. So maybe our th- threshold is not as high. I would say this, if you were Kevin Stefanski, right? This is a guy who was last two years at Clemson through 30 interceptions. And again, I love turnovers. I love quarterbacks who, who throw interceptions because to me, it means you're trying to make a play and I'll ta- I want the plays. And if you, you take, and he, he's a quarterback like that, right? He takes sacks. Why does he take sacks? Well, cause he's trying to hold on to the ball to make an awesome play. I don't want a guy who the first sign of something going wrong, just dumps it off and, and throws the ball out of bounds every time, make a play. If you were Kevin Stefanski and they're out of the playoff race, would you want Deshaun Watson to throw a bunch of checkdowns? And would you call a bunch of tight end screens the last two games? Or would you say, you know what, man, let's stretch your legs. We're not trying to throw interceptions, but if we do, we're not going to be that worried about it. We're trying to let you spread your wings a little bit in two more real games before we come back next year and we restart this thing and make a run. I, I might, if I was Kevin Stefanski I might say, let's go for some wild plays, man. And if you screw it up, you screwed up. We know who you are. It's fine. Like let's, but let's see, let's see some upside. Take some risk. It's okay. That's what I might say. Cause what are you trying to get out of these last two games with Deshaun Watson? Like, what's the goal is the goal. 19 of 33 for 181 yards and a 16 to 13 win over Washington like is that the primary goal or is it like let's let's give a little taste to ourselves of what this offense how dangerous maybe
2: this offense can be and if there's bumps there' are bumps yeah that's that's interesting Ivory it's, it's like this you know what what are you saving it for? Like, just let's go crazy. Let's have some fun. Let's see what you can do with Michael Woods and Donovan Peoples Jones and Amari Cooper. Let's, let's kind of show this thing off a little bit. Let's get people excited.
1: I mean, yes, that is a possibility. Yes, it is nice to watch, but I think people were excited enough when, you know, hearing multiple times of this, you know, team being a well a machine that can make it run out of Super Bowl Once, Dad was kind of drained. Then the excitement started to go down. So I uh, I don't know if fans would care like that enough. But yeah, sure. If if you're gonna play him, especially the last couple games of the season, you know that you're out of the playoffs. Just let it be like a free for all. Let him go out, roam about. I mean, shoot, make it backyard football for 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 all I care. Especially if you know you're not going to the playoffs. Spoil spoil the, the playoff chances for other teams you're playing uh, on the road and stuff. So yeah, sure.
2: So, see, with that in mind, I might take the over. If Doug's, if Doug's calling the plays, I'm
0: taking way over. I'm taking, yeah, but, like,
2: 15. Uh,
0: yeah, I do think the problem, though, is, like, will Kevin Stefanski do that? And, like, again, like, I think we have, there's been this narrative on social media that Kevin Stefanski hasn't changed for Deshaun when there are, like, tangible things that this offense is doing differently, especially with the RPO stuff and the no huddle stuff and the changing tempo. But, like, Kevin Stefanski does hate turnovers like I don't know if he's gonna be as freewheeling as Doug is describing and I like agree with Doug like these are things I would like to see um if the playoffs are you know off the table um and maybe I'm not giving Kevin Stefanski Kevin enough credit for his adaptability but like I just I can't I can't picture that right now just because I haven't seen it um so I'm, I'm gonna need to see it I'm curious if he if we will see a big change like that from him
4: Okay. So far, he's adapted them into two offensive touchdowns in three games. So let it rip, Kev.
2: Like, what are we doing? Let's go. Yeah, it's a wild play at this point, just like a touchdown. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's like, oh, what gosh. happened there? The guy, he was standing in this like
4: 10-yard area and his feet hit the ground. And then that guy in the striped shirt put his arms in the air. That was a wild play. <laughs> oh, it was a three-yard touchdown pass. I just don't know what touchdowns look like for the Browns offense
2: anymore. Najoku's touchdown was kind of a wild play. That wasn't like a Deshaun wild play, but that was like a, you know, the one where he dove over the pylon or he hurdled somebody. Like David Najoku's the one give us, giving us the wow plays over yeah. the last couple of weeks.
3: He is, and that's why I think those two guys uh, are going to combine on uh, on a lot of those over the next how many ever years. Uh, but I do think that weather will be a factor in probably possibly you know two of these last three games I would think. Maybe all three. But um but I think that um you know that might kind of put the damper on on some of the uh some of the wowness.
2: Okay. Uh I know we're uh we're a little pinched for time here, so I want to get to a couple Christmas questions, then I want to do our break. or or do our picks. Uh, Lance Reisland is also going to give us his scouting report on the New Orleans Saints in between uh, this segment and our picks. So, that's still coming up. All right, Easy one here from Wes Daniels. Greensboro, North Carolina. What's your number one Christmas movie?
0: Elf. Elf. I just watched Elf Elf last night. That's a good one. I have a rotation. Elf is so good.
3: Yeah, Elf is good. It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, I. That's what I was
0: thinking. Yeah. It's a Wonderful
3: Life is just, I I mean, I could. I will never, ever, ever get tired of it. I just absolutely love it. It makes me want to go home and watch it right now. Um, I didn't watch it.
2: I didn't watch it last year, and it's like stuck with me. Oh my gosh, Dan. It's like followed me around all year, just like in the back of my mind. Like, you didn't watch It's a Wonderful Life last year. Shame. And I just sort of have blamed anything bad that's happened to me this year. I'm like, well, yeah, because <laughs> of course, because I didn't watch It's a Wonderful Life last Christmas. It, Doug, that...
3: do you not like it?
4: Snoozer.
2: Oh, oh. Doug.
4: Snoozer That'll take. Horrible. My finger has a heartbeat. That's a Christmas movie. Your finger has a heartbeat. It's Santa. I know him. I know him. I get it. Whatever. <laughs> you were sad. <laughs> and then there was an imaginary thing. Whatever.
2: Will Ferrell and Tights is where it's at, people.
4: (laughs) I I will say the
2: the world's best
0: cup of coffee line gets me every time. Um, Thinking about my other favorites, some of my other favorites, uh, I'm going to go with my favorite Christmas comedy might be Bad Santa. That is flawless comedy to me. I love that movie for when you want to switch it up and you don't want the sentimentality necessarily Bad Santa is just, oh man, it's wild.
3: I gotta watch that again. I can't remember if I've watched it or I watched part of it or whatever, but it's not ringing a bell right now. I you got one
1: for? for us? Friday after next. Nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing, just playing, just playing, just playing. Um, I'm gonna probably tell my age a little bit with this, but it always brings back nostalgic feelings of the Polar Express.
3: Mmm. Okay. That's a yeah, good Tom one. Hanks is
4: a robot in that one, right? He's a robot. Is that right? <laughs>
1: he, he, he's like
2: five different P- characters at once. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody did ask us if we think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. The December sports talk. Like, that's I think you have to answer that question.
0: I, okay. Yeah. You guys don't see him. All right. That's 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 next.
3: <laughs> what about Family Man with Family. Nick Cage?
0: I've never seen that. Never seen it. And tail um, Leone. My Leone. Other, my other mention that I was going to mention, I love Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2 might actually be the better movie. Like, having New York as the backdrop is great. I mean, it's a great mix-up. Like, they basically said, we're going to make the same movie, and all we're going to change is the location, and you know what? I ate it up. I ate it up? I mean, uh, your Home Alone 2 better than Home Alone take is
2: bad, but Home Alone no, is, it's is not a, bad. Good, <laughs> it's a good one. A lot nomination. of people would
0: agree with me on this, actually. <laughs> There's a lot of people who would agree with me on this. I like I like them both. I do love them both. Don't make me pick.
2: We're, we're going to actually... People are going to kick us out of Cleveland because no one said... I know. Christmas, Christmas Story. I know, oh,
0: I know. Did you guys I watch like the new it. one yet? No. 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 no, I haven't watched no. the new I do one. love Christmas Story, too. But here's my thing with Christmas Story. I can only watch it during the 24-hour marathon. That's the that's when I watch it. I don't watch it in the lead-up to Christmas because I want to watch it on during the marathon but then like it just becomes too much. And then I've gotten my fill of it. You know?
2: I want to throw this out here. Uh, Our buddy, Paul Spencer from New York city shares this story. He says, when opening presents on Christmas morning, we started on stockings and then we were forced to sit through a very long drawn out breakfast before we were allowed to open presents. Uh, He wants to know if there are any forms of torture that we were put through like that during the holidays. (laughs) Paul, we're thinking of you. I hope that that's not your family tradition anymore.
0: Paul, I'm sorry to inform you, I was an only child, so, like, my Christmas morning was, like, the dream Christmas morning, like, because I'm an only child, and I I got to open whatever I wanted, when I wanted it, did not have to eat first, it's it's great, for that reason. <laughs> Didn't have to share presents, like, phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, oh, I had to watch my sister's open presents. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That
4: was boring. I can remember like we'd open presents, you open presents in your pajamas, and then you just want to play with your toys and your pajamas all day. But it would be like the re- our extended family was coming for Christmas dinner. So you'd have to stop playing with your toys, go upstairs, shower, put on a sweater, and then talk to your <laughs> aunts and uncles. And it's like, can I just play with my toys? No offense <laughs> to my aunts and uncles, but it's toys, man. Come on.
2: This is this is all good. I'm glad that we were all able to, to kind of get that out there and, and, and put that out there. Uh, I actually feel bad. I, I'll say this: I feel bad for my sister. Her birthday is the day after Christmas. I don't
3: think she's mm. ever. I don't think she's
2: ever gotten a birthday present in her life.
3: That's a bad birthday. Dan, you have birthday. the
2: ability to change that. You're related to her. You're right. I do have, give her the I do have the ability birth- to change that. That is a true statement.
3: Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's. I'm I'm too
3: busy She can't
2: give herself a present.
4: It's like, oh, you've never gotten a birthday present. That's terrible. And she's like, Yeah, I know it is. All you people at this Christmas dinner table, every single one of you has the ability to change that right now this year. And Dan's just like shaking his head, man, I really I feel really
2: bad for you. Yes. If only if only there was something we could do about this. <laughs> what could be the answer? It's, it's that meme with the guy in the hot dog costume. We're trying to find the person (laughs) who did this. Okay. uh, I
4: I like to ask about memes on this show. What does that mean? Why is he in a hot dog
2: costume and why (laughs) is that? I don't even understand that meme. Does everybody else understand that meme? It's from a show I've never watched. But I'm assuming the guy in the hot dog costume did something that makes it obvious that he did because he's wearing a hot dog costume.
4: Oh, I don't think wearing a hot dog costume is that unusual. So I didn't get it. Okay. Sorry.
2: Explain memes to Doug. That's going to be another segment on this podcast. Break off podcast. It's, co- it's coming up right <laughs> all after all the young people. It's coming Fastly up
4: right after. Shot, okay? I was looking at a little video of a leprechaun and a mushroom. What's that meme?
2: That'd be a. That's a great show. <laughs> I like it. That's coming up right after Irie talks about Taysom Hill. That's what I threatened him with earlier today. We're not going to do that. All right, we're going to take a break here. Um, Lance Reisland is going to come back and give you a scouting report on the Saints, and then we are going to make our picks for this game uh, on Saturday afternoon. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm joined by Lance Risel now to give a scouting report on the New Orleans Saints coming to town on Saturday. Lance, how are you?
5: Good, Dan. How are you?
2: Doing well. Okay, let's get to it. The story this week has been the weather. We are, I don't think there's going to be snow. If there is snow, I don't think it's going to be a lot. That, that should be clear by the time the game kicks off. But it's going to be cold. We're looking at wind chills in the negative 20s I've seen. Uh, that's that's kind of changed, gone up, gone down, but it's, it looks like it's going to land somewhere in the negative 20s. And the big thing is the wind gusts. Um, it's going to be windy and gusts in the neighborhood of 50 and 60 miles an hour uh, on Saturday. How does that affect this game?
5: Well, the first thing is you have bad weather offense. Everybody has it at every level. So the Browns have been working bad weather offense in terms of they're going to be under center more. Um, they're going to work, they're going to work really, really hard on ball control. Uh, I think you'll see more downhill runs, more zone, uh, inside, outside zone from underneath center, just because it gets you downhill. Uh, it does not, uh, you know, their counter game, the, the running back goes one way, comes back the other there's guards pulling all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of movement, uh, in the zone game, there's not as much movement. It's just kind of straight ahead, vertical movement, vertical displacement, so I think, I think you'll see a lot of that. You're going to see a lot of team, – both teams will be underneath center. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of zone. The, the Saints only run zone. Uh, they don't do anything else. Uh, they do a little bit of pin and pull, but for the most, they're primarily a zone, inside, outside zone team. Uh, the weather will affect the wind. Nothing really affects those NFL quarterbacks except the wind. The wind is killer, and when you have those type of temperatures – Um, They're going to have to be very secure uh, in terms of their reads. So look for the Browns to run a lot of levels concepts where they're going to try to get the ball early, um, you know, in the flat to whoever it may be. Uh, Could be a week that they try to get the ball to hunt in the flat along with Njoku. Uh, Look for some uh, uh, RPOs where they're going to have simple, simple hitches and slants and, and things like that where the ball is not in the air very long. Um, You have to be aware of it. You can't do the, uh, it's not going to affect it. The wind and the weather is definitely going to have an effect on this game.
2: Yeah, I've always felt like, you know, more so than snow, as as, you know, as long as it's not like just feet of snow, it's rain, it's wind. That's the stuff that that can really hamper an offense more than anything. Um, Let's let's talk about some guys that aren't going to be there for the Saints. Uh, Jarvis Landry has been ruled out with an ankle injury. I believe I saw he's going on IR. Uh, you know, he's been a little up and down this year, but Chris Olave, obviously the the really big name with a hamstring, he is out of this game. So you mentioned it's going to be hard to throw the ball, but even without those two guys, I mean, what does
5: that do to this Saints offense? Well, Olave has 102 targets. That's the one thing I, you know, he's got 63 receptions for 940 yards, but he has 102 targets, which tells you they're trying to get the ball to him a lot. Um, obviously with the weather being, it is, you still have quick screens. You still have the bubbles. You still have things that you can do. Uh, especially since Andy Dalton is a a kind of a game manager and he's very good professional quarterback. I, in my opinion, I've always liked Andy Dalton. Uh, He's got some limitations obviously, but that hurts them a lot in terms of uh, what the Browns have to prepare for. Uh, I think it puts more onus on uh, Juwan Johnson, their tight end who I really like. I think he's good in space Uh, with the weather being the way it is that will really, uh, he'll be important on the crossing routes, those little option routes. Again, shortest point A to B, in the weather like this, the tight end could be a huge uh, huge factor for the Saints.
2: And now when you look on the other side of the ball, I, I know it's a guy we were talking before we came on, a guy you really like on the defensive side, uh, Pete Werner. He's out with a hamstring. What do the Saints lose with him being out?
5: Well, you got him and Demario Davis inside, who I really, really like watching play. They run around. Uh, again, those linebackers, they make a lot of plays. Uh, they have some really good players at all three levels. But Demario Davis and Pete Werner, are, they got 167 total tackles. And they fly around. They make a ton of plays. They're really good in pass coverage. Um, They're the Saints are struggling with their edge, uh, their ability to stop the edge run, um, which is something the Browns do at a very high level. So I'm interested to see that matchup. That's a matchup the Browns are definitely going into the game uh, going to exploit. You know, Algier last week from the Falcons had 139 yards rushing, and predominantly was that outside zone, Uh, and then. When the Saints tried to stop that outside zone, they overset the edge and created some great cutback lanes. So not having Werner is a huge, huge loss for them.
2: So is this one of those games where it might almost be beneficial to the Browns this weather? Because they're really just going to have to line up and run the ball. And from hearing you talk about it, it sounds like they should have success, especially with Ethan Posick back. Um, Wyatt Teller, he's going to play. I know he popped up on the injury report this week, but he's good to go. Yeah, this offensive line is going to be pretty much full go this week for the first time in a little while. So it maybe it's going to end up being an advantage for the Browns. Well, I
5: like their, I like uh, the Anyamata, the the shy Tuttle. He's pretty heavy inside. Uh, Cameron Jordan's much better against the run inside than he is on the edge, even though he's out on the edge a bunch. Um, so yeah, I you know the only I would say the only issue that would help the Saints with this run game is it allows Matthew to get down in the box a little bit more. And when you watch him on film, I've watched a couple games of him now, he's not as good in pass coverage as he once was. He's susceptible to be beaten man coverage. But he's really good around the line of scrimmage, and he takes chances. Um, so I think he'll be able to help them in the run game, as where when they were playing in a dome, he couldn't. So I look for him to – the Browns are going to have to account for him in the run game because he'll be down there a bunch knowing the Browns are going to run it in this weather. A, a guy that came up a
2: lot this week was Taysom Hill. How are you seeing him being used? uh, especially with, is
5: it the same as when Sean Payton was there? Is it, is it different? Well, the one thing he gives you, and I always like this, he gives you the plus one in the run game. So as a quarterback run game, they're not faking with him all the time. They're actually using the tailback as another blocker. So sometimes when you get zone reads and you get these RPO, the running back is out of it because he's the fake guy. Uh, he's the guy faking the quarterback with the plus one run game the tailback now becomes the, the lead blocker. So now you're adding a guy to the box. You're adding a, a, a guy that you can block in the box. I'm sorry. So that that's what they've done really well with him. They, they do a lot of different things with him. He hit a big pass last week. Um, you know, he had an inside post that was a big play, big 68 yard touchdown pass that I thought was a really good play. Um, but when he's in the game, I look for the Browns to get those safeties down in the box. Uh, him and Kamara are the two guys you got to find again, uh, I don't really like the way they've used Kamara. They run him up the middle a ton, but when they do get him on the edge, they once in a while they get him a screen. Um, those two guys uh, are kind of the guys the Browns got to find, and I think with this weather, you're going to see him in a bunch of different spots. Prime, uh, but a lot they're going to do a lot of direct snaps to him. I think just because it gives you that gives you the plus plus one in the run game.
2: Okay, so when you look at this game. Uh you know you look at some of the stuff on you know some of the gambling sites they are not expecting a lot of points they're not expecting a, necessarily a blowout one way or the other. What's your pick for this game?
5: Well, this is a, I always it's a quirky pick because I always think in this weather you're going to get a safety, you're going to get a missed extra point, you're going to get something that happens. So I'm going to go Browns 17-12. And I think you're going to get a missed extra point, you're going to get a safety, you're going to get something um the weather is going to dictate um, what's going to happen. So you want to make sure you're flipping the field. You want to make sure uh, you're taking care of all three phases because it's going to come down to a play or two in this weather.
2: And the other thing too, is if they go out there and they're like, we can't kick the ball, we might see some two point tries. So now you're throwing in those variables where it's like, okay, we only got six on this possession or we got eight on this possession. So it's, it, there, there's a lot that could uh could lead to a very unique looking final score in this game.
5: And that's why you know that's why I don't I didn't pick like set my initial call was 17-13 but like even 16-12. In fact, I'm going to say I'm going to go 16-12 Browns because they're going to be American. I'm going to go 16-12 Browns just because of what you're saying. I think it'll be like you're saying I you know if it's as bad uh, as they're saying it's going to be with that wind. I'm not sure how you're going to kick field goals or even extra points, those extra points are longer now too. So um, I do. I, I think you're going to see some two point tries. I think you're going to see a safety. You're going to see a fumble return. You're going to see some. Um, you're going to see some quirky stuff that happens. Weather always dictates these games. Okay, that is not
2: the. Well, that is the first uh, wonky score you're going to hear on this podcast. It is not the last. Uh, our picks are coming up on the other side uh, of this Browns Saints game on Saturday. Lance, thanks for the time. As always, thanks for having me. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks, to Lance Reisland, for his scatting report. Okay, here we go. Picks time, Browns and Saints. Uh, last I checked, and I'll pull it up here just in case. By the way, this is the last Browns game that you cannot legally bet on in the state of Ohio. When the Browns Ooh. next take the field, you can responsibly wager legally in the state of Ohio on uh, on what will happen in that game. Or frankly, you can irresponsibly wager. That's actually not in the law. You can do see, whatever you want. Seems like you keep encouraging people here on the post-game show. You were talking about going and getting your credit card, and poor Hayden just, Grove only has like forty six cents left in our weekly picks, by the way <laughs> that we do uh, that we do on the website. So he's he's had a rough time of it. Uh, two and a half. That's the line right now. The Browns are favored by two and a half. The total is a paltry thirty two and a half points. So they are not thinking a very high scoring game. And when you kind of looked at some of the prop bets, um, they were pretty low. I'm going to check to see if this has changed at all, but the over under passing totals for each quarterback individually was 0.5. So they're basically saying they're not even sure if we're going to see a passing touchdown in this game. And you know, we could have 60 mile an hour wind gusts, it's supposed to be minus 20 wind chills. So I think this is going to be a low scoring game. I'll just go first here because I remember my pick that we did in the video. I, I Low points. I, I'm going to say the Browns win this game 11 to 8. I think it's going to be that hard. Now look, there's a world where they just run the ball, run the ball, and maybe they score 20. But I, I think it's going to be really difficult to do anything offensively in this game just because of that wind. So I th- I think it's going to be 11 to 8. The Browns win. Mary Kay, what are you picking?
3: Yeah, you know, I'm going to stick with what I said on the video and it's counterintuitive to to pick the score that I'm I'm picking because of the conditions. But I don't know. I just think that somehow some way they're going to find the end zone. They might slip and slide in there, uh but I feel like they're going to find it. So I'm picking the Browns to win this one. 17 to 14.
2: I mean, that's about what that's about what they're saying is going to happen in this game. You know, Mm -hmm. if if it's a two and a half point line and the total is 32 and a half, they're kind of in that range. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think that's I don't think that's crazy. That's not I mean, that's not really that many points. Ashley, what do you
5: think?
0: Yeah, I am also clean sweep in terms of picking what we picked on the video. Uh, Dan, I know I had a really similar score with, to you with, compared to you. Um, just because, like you, I'm convinced that this wind, this cold, these guys don't understand what they're dealing with and they won't understand until they're actually out there playing. I think it's going to be really hard to move the ball. I think the Browns are really going to have to rely on their rushing attack. But I'm going Cleveland 10-6, to and a big part of that Browns win is the Saints – Play in a dome, like Mike Prefer alluded to. They play indoors. We're used to this. It's going to be fun, and I think there is an element of truth to that. To that. Doug, yeah, it's not going to be fun. It's going to stink.
4: This is horrible. That mm-hmm. this is uh, all we want is information, and this game's going to tell us nothing. This is just going to be they're going to roll around for three hours, and at the end they're going to look up at the scoreboard and say who won. It doesn't tell us anything. So, like, I'm frustrated. That we're we're not going to have an opportunity to see another four quarters of the Deshaun Watson Kevin Stefanski offense. So whatever, I'd cancel it. Just give them each half a win, make it a tie, and don't make anybody go. This is silly. Build a dome like this is this is pointless. This is a pointless exercise. It's Christmas Eve, you people. I'm not going. You people are spending Christmas Eve. In a zero-degree, 60-mile-per-hour wind game between two teams going nowhere where we will learn nothing, zero, about either team. Congratulations to the NFL. Anyway, I picked 10-7 because two years ago in a very windy game when Deshaun Watson was here playing in Cleveland as a member of the Houston Texans, the Browns beat the Texans 10-7, to and the issue is wind. Cold is fine. Snow is fine. You can't throw the ball in wind. So, take every under on passing yards, right? Dan, I saw 30 mile per hour. You're saying gusting up to 60 potentially?
2: Yeah, I've That's seen the gusts thing between 50 up. and 60. Yep.
4: Like, you can't. So, like, Ohio State played a game this year at Northwestern. Where it was like, you know, I was saying, hey, take the under on passing yards, take the under in the total. And then you got there, it was like a hurricane, and you, like the ball was blowing sideways, and everything went under. So, I've got 10 7 Browns, and I can they move this to Detroit? Why not move this to Detroit? They moved the Buffalo game to Detroit. When there's going to be terrible weather in the Great Lakes area outside Detroit, becomes the indoor home of every Great Lakes team. Are the Lions home this weekend, Dan? They could, let them play there. I, we, at least they see can reasonable play simultaneously.
2: Football. They can divide the field up. And, and just just play, play two all-star teams. It's, I mean, it's his. You know, no, the Lions. Sorry to the season ticket holders. The Lions are in Carolina. Go to Detroit. I'm reporting. Was it that hard to? Irie, I'm reporting Doug to HR for suggesting we spend Christmas Eve in Detroit.
0: Yeah, Doug. And also, I think, too, like, the other problem is going to be, like, it isn't just this game that's impacted by the weather. I saw, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there's a lot. Like, at least, like, five cold-weather games where the weather is, like, going to be zero or below this week, just the way the schedule's worked out. So I think it's kind of like, how do you decide to move? Like, it's supposed to be colder in Chicago. Like, what are you going to do there? Like, I, I don't know. So I think that also might be part of the problem with this and why there hasn't been that rumbling of, oh, is it going to get moved? Is it going to get moved? And that could be why, too.
3: Well, I saw the governor today of Ohio saying that uh, this impending storm uh, puts us in a crisis situation and the uniquely dangerous uh, conditions. And, uh, you know, when you and everybody needs to stay home and all that kind of stuff. When you're hearing that, I don't know it. There is part of me. That thinks that they should at least be considering postponing this football game, but they aren't and they won't. But I mean, who wants to be out there in these dangerous conditions?
2: All right, Irene.
4: What's and your
3: also,
2: pick? I
4: have Amari Cooper and David and Joku on my fantasy team, and I'm in the semifinals this week. And the passing game numbers are going to be awful for me. That's why I'm so mad, Dan. That's,
2: I, is- knew, I knew there was. I knew there was something. There was something going yeah. on here.
1: Irene, what's your pick? Good God. You know what? I'm going to just say it. Browns 12, Saints 9. Is that seven field goals? Uh yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. That's that's a little dicey. That too. seems difficult. It could be a two-point conversion and two safeties. A touchdown, two-point conversion, and two
1: safeties. And then,
2: like, I, a touchdown and another safety.
1: In know what, Doug, I, too, live dangerously.
2: Okay. okay. We all have... Right, we're all on the under, right? Yeah, Mary Kay, you were on the under too.
1: Um,
2: okay, not a lot of points. I don't know why anyone is going to this game. You know, more power to you, I guess, if you are. Have fun, stay warm. Um, but yeah.
4: Mary Kay, before you finish your career covering the Browns in 40 years, <laughs> you're going to make Cleveland build a dome, right? Yes, Isn't that going to be your lasting legacy? We're all going to go play yes. in the Cabot Dome and so you don't have to deal with this stuff?
3: Yes, 100%. I,
2: I hate indoor football. I think indoor football looks ugly and stupid, but like, I think you have to.
3: 100%. Absolutely. I mean, you can, I mean, retractable roof. I'm, there you go. I'm cool. I'm, yeah. cool. I'm cool with that. But You've got to have a dome. There's nobody needs to. I mean, nobody wants to go to this game. I mean, I I have family members that have great, great seats and they don't want to go. I don't, and I don't want them to go. I mean, it's it's dangerous. It's downright dangerous to be out there.
2: Yeah. All right. That's another off season pod. Let's have the dome debate. Dome, dome, dome. It'll be it'll be great. Listen, we have like a hundred pods to do in the off season. So like good. we got plenty of time to do uh, debates about domes and no domes and uh, it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. head by all. Uh, okay. Unlike that, unlike the game on Saturday at first energy stadium, but we will be there. We will be covering it. We will have a post game podcast uh, that will go up at some point after the game. So just make sure you're subscribed to the orange and Brown talk feed on Apple podcasts and Spotify. And also, head over to Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com search that uh, on YouTube and you'll find our YouTube channel subscribe to that because our podcasts are also going up there. So if you'd prefer to um, check out our podcast on YouTube, if that's easier for you, head over to Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com that YouTube channel, and you can check out our podcasts there as well. And, of course become a football insider subscriber because that's where these questions came from for our roundtable today Cleveland.com slash Browns the blue banner at the top of the page uh, so you can get involved in texting, get that newsletter and get access to those stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. for Mary Kay, Ashley Doug, Irie, and Lance I'm Dan. everyone enjoy Christmas and we will talk to you later.